Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. But here we go. The in-between series. We're continuing this whole series and thought on our point where we come to know Christ to when we die. That, that bit, the in-between. And for some of us, maybe we've grown up since we were a child, being uh, a Christ follower, and that relationship's developed. Maybe we've been older. But really, we're talking about this whole thought of our relationship with God and how we're called to live. And so last week, we had Johnny. How good was Johnny? It was awesome. I have a new appreciation for a toilet now, um, that a toilet is set apart for a purpose. I'd never thought about that before. Uh, so Johnny talked about, um, be holy because I am holy. And, and what God says about that. Um, Simo had talked a few weeks ago about our, uh, our thought around temptation and evil and how we journey that. And, and then I'd spoken before and Sarah as well. And so just to, to, to recap on that, we're, we're focusing on this whole scripture from 1 Peter chapter 1. And it talks about living a holy life. We, we want to be people that are set apart for what God's um, spoken to us and, and how He would want us to live. And so our part of the scripture that we're going to look at today is from 1 Peter 17, and it says this, and remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now, in these last days, he has revealed for your sake. There's so much in this scripture, and we don't have a huge amount of time this morning, but I want to unpack some of this. There's so many questions in there. You know, the, the thought of ransoming us before time began. The, 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 the thought that God would have even bothered to create us before that. The, this whole thought of reverent fear. What, what, what is that actually about? And so we want to look at some of these things today. So verse 17, it says, He will judge or reward you according to what you do. Now, in our context, we often talk about grace, and grace just deals with everything, hey? And I think, particularly in the modern church and in Pentecostal church, we use grace as just the grace deals with everything. And this whole series is really talking about us looking at how, as Christians, are we called to live. And there's this this thought, He will judge you and reward you according to what you do. So there is a connection to how we live our life and our, our judgment and reward from God. We can't just live however we want. Well, we can, but that's not what God would call us to do. And actually, if we, we love and care for Him, then we should be trying to strive after a greater level of holiness. There's this paradox with grace, hey, this contrast that actually says, well, hang on, grace says I, I don't have to be a certain way. I don't have to reach a certain standard. Grace says God will accept me no matter what. But then at the same time, the scripture says he will judge you according to what you do. 
You know, I think in the past we would have heard or, or heard about the, the preaching of, you know, hellfire and brimstone, repent or go to hell and all of these sorts of thoughts of, of the, the fear that was driven into people to conform. And actually there's been a swing in the church towards grace, which is good and it's important and understanding the gift that grace is and, and what Jesus has done for us. But we've got to understand the timing of these things. Grace is the point where we're saved. Grace comes because we're lost and without Jesus. As Nath shared this morning, Jesus died on the cross for us so that we could be in relationship with God. And grace buys us the the ability to be able to have relationship with God and, and be there with Him. But at that point where we make a decision for Christ, this is when this kicks in and says, well, God wants us to to, to live a holy life. If we're a Christian and we are Christ followers, then we don't want to be just using grace as a get out of jail free card for living however we want. That's not actually what it's for. It's actually about us saying, well, well I'm coming to a point of, save, of being saved by Christ. Grace is a gift that I cannot earn, I cannot buy. But actually, once I've stepped over that point, then I should be living a holy life. In Romans 5, 8 to 10, and one of my favorite scriptures, it says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. It didn't say once we weren't sinners or once we'd hit a certain standard of sin or, you know, it says while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship, was, uh, our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, he will, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So there's no question about grace in our lives. There's no question about grace saving us or us having to somehow earn our salvation. Our salvation comes through that. But once we have that salvation from Jesus, I don't know about you, but I want to live the way that he would call me to live. And we're never going to get there. No one's perfect. If you know a perfect person, then tell them they're wrong. (laughs) Gracefully or something. Hey, but no one's perfect. And so I think in the, the history of the church too, there's been these two paradoxes where it's like, hey, grace... Grace will just take care of everything or, you you know, your life must be perfect and your salvation is earned through works, which is not theologically correct. There's a greater expectation on us when we're a Christ follower from God. We can't use grace as a get-out-of-jail-free card to just say, I'll do whatever I want. I'll come to church and just sing a nice song and feel warm and fuzzy and say, oh, grace has got me, and then go out Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and do whatever we like. Treat people a certain way. Act a certain way. Think about certain things. Watch stuff. Read things. Like, how are we living our life from Monday through to Saturday? We can't just use grace as a get-out-of-jail-free card. 
You know, there's a greater expectation on us from God as a Christ follower. I, I was thinking about this, and I think it's like our kids, you know. If you've got kids, you'll know that when they're really young, they can't really do much for themselves. You have a low expectation for how they're going to be contributed to your household or to your family. And, and as they start to grow, you, you increase the expectation and even uh, as little kids, you start to train the way that you would want your family to be, the way that you speak. You have an expectation for, for gratitude, for generosity, for thankfulness. I'm sure you've all witnessed a moment where a child doesn't want to do what mum and dad want them to do. Never. <laughs> you've got to, you know, even now, and my boys will hate this, but we've got to, we're, we're drilling home generosity and thankfulness in every moment. Say thank you. Thanks. No, not thanks. But, but we, we have an expectation in our home for how it is. Now, if, if we have a friend come over of one of our kids, I treat them like my kids. I'd love them and care for them, but there's an expectation in our house. The kids do the dishes. There's one of them. You're going to contribute. You laugh. I'm not kidding. But who knows, if I have that expectation on a, on, a, on a visitor, someone that's joining to part of our family or maybe staying with us for a while, I'll, I'll care for them. But if I don't communicate that expectation, then actually how would they possibly know what's expected for the culture of our home? And the same is with God. God's actually saying in this scripture, hey, you, salvation has got you here. Grace, through, grace has brought you here, but now you're, here, you're in my home. Here's what I expect. This is what the expectation is, to live a holy life. And how you act and how you behave is actually going to determine how I reward you or how I judge you. When we're Christ followers, we'll be judged or rewarded by what we do. If we continue on in that scripture, it talks about living in reverent fear of him. Now, this whole word fear, I don't know what that brings up for you, but it might be something scary or worrying. But we've actually got to look at what does that mean? You know, I think for most of us, we think of a loving God who cares for us. This whole thought of God being fearful is probably been pushed aside for us understanding about God's love. But do we have a real reverent fear for Him? I don't know about you, but living in fear is not a nice place to be, hey, where you're worried, you're scared, and it creates anxiety. This is not what we, I think, how we would see God. And I think that the church in the past, in, in, in history, we see this preaching and this, this thought of God being someone up there with a stick to control us. And, and, and there'd be this thought too where if you do what the Bible says and, and what I say as a minister, then actually, well, there's a sense of control um, coming through that because God is up there in heaven ready with a stick to bash us. But actually, if we look at what reverent fear means, the word reverence says feeling or showing deep and solemn respect. Deep and solemn respect. And it's an adjective, it's a, it's a doing word. I listened in English a little bit at school. 
But here's this thought, that it's not a fear of God's there to hurt us, to create pain for us. But actually there's this reverence and this understanding of the greatness of God. It's not a fear that's going to hurt us or, or make our lives bad, but it's a, a, an out of respect for God. In Psalm 19, verse 8 to 11, it says this, The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even dripping from the comb. They are warning to your servant a great reward for those who obey them. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. While we live in a place of going, hey, God is graceful and he's our friend and he loves us, we also need to not forget that reverence and that, that, that fear of respect for who he is. Psalm 111 says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom, praise him forever. So there's this fear where I think in our culture the word fear is about worry and hurt and pain and, and we're trying to avoid it at all costs. When we look at the context of this, it's actually talking about this uh, immense appreciation and respect for who God is. It's not about being worried, but, but understanding who, who God is, that he's the creator of all things, that he created everything that we see. Just think for a moment. The one that we worship, the one that cares about us, created everything we see. You know, as we drove up to New South Wales last week and back again. Nathan and I were chatting on the way back and just looking at the incredible country that Australia is and rocks and trees and, and how can we not have reverence and understanding for a God who just made this out of nothing? That made every one of you and me different and unique and created everything that we see. It's about us not taking him for granted. In verse 18, it then goes on to talk about God paid a ransom to save you. God paid a ransom, not mere gold or silver. You know, and in that context of those times, gold and silver would have been the most valuable thing. Even now, gold is the most valuable thing that we can trade in. But God is not just there to, to actually make an exchange for us. He was there and paid a ransom. I don't know what you think of when you think of a ransom, or the, even the word ransom. As I was writing this, I just thought of that movie with Mel Gibson in it. You know, his son's taken and there's a ransom. Here's the thing with a ransom. A ransom is something that's paid for that is already rightfully yours. A ransom is something that's paid and a, and a sacrifice made for something that you rightfully already own. And when we think about God paying a ransom for us, he, he chose to do that even though we were rightfully his. 
He wanted to come and bring a ran- um, and to pay a ransom, even though we were created in His image, even though He created us. It's not just buying something. A ransom isn't just about exchanging or paying for something where you get where there's an exchange occurring. But it's actually about God coming and paying for something that's rightfully already his. He had rights to you and yet he paid the ransom to get you back from sin. He he paid a ransom to get you back from from the clutches of the enemy. He paid a ransom that cost a great deal. As Nath shared today, God turned away from Jesus. Imagine the pain and the suffering in that moment. I think if we truly understand the cost that it took God to ransom us, then surely we'll do everything we can to seek after a holy life. Surely that's the smallest thing we can do. If we truly understand what God did to ransom us, then will we not want to change our behavior? change how we live? Or are we just over here using grace as a get-out-of-jail-free card? And then finally in this scripture, we see that God chose him, he's talking about Jesus there, as a ransom long before the world began. Just think about that for a minute. So God knew long before the world began that he would have to send Jesus to ransom us. Did we just skip over that? Well, I don't know about you, but I just wouldn't bother. If I, that's why I'm not God. That's exactly right. I don't know about you, but if I have a plan and I, I've got an executed project or a plan, whatever it is, I will do everything to ensure that it's going to go well, to avoid failure, and I'll make a change to the plan before I even begin. And if I don't think it's going to succeed, then we'll either make adjustments or we'll stop it. But God knew before the world was even created that it was all going to go bad. And yet he chose to anyway. He chose to create you and he chose to create me despite our sin. I wouldn't have done that. I would have gone, no. But God chose to ransom you long before the world even began. Are we really getting that today? That he chose to create you despite your sin. He chose to create you despite the the ups and the downs of trusting in Him, having faith at different points in your life. Think about it. God's created us each to have a plan and a purpose. Just as the team can come. He's created you to do certain things for Him. But He just doesn't want you to tick a box and say, I've done this or I've done that, but actually he wants you to do it in a certain way. He wants you to live a holy life. He knows that you can't. He knows that we can't be perfect. But consider for a moment the the sacrifice that he made, the ransom that he paid. You know, this scripture's it's got those two parts to it. It talks about the things we can do and it's talking about that connection to God. And what it's trying to say really is, hey, 
You've got to do what you can do, but don't forget who God is in this. What we can do and what and who God is. Psalm 139 says this. We, we probably all are familiar with this. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I don't know about you, but I know that God has a plan and purpose for my life. And I want to try and do that in the way that he would ask us to live. Seek after righteousness. Seek after holiness. And and know that I've got the ability to come to God each day and go, God, I stuffed it up again. And not using grace to just get out of it, but just say, God, please forgive me. He's just asking for us to follow him. He's asking for us to to live how Jesus would live. Let's read that scripture again finally. 1 Peter chapter 1, 17 to 20. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. For you know God has paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, it has been revealed for your sake. What are we going to do with that today? Are we just going to have a a warm fuzzy and go to church? Oh, that was nice. Yeah, I should live better. We get a choice to walk out of here today. And I say we, every one of us, can always improve something in our life. Seek after God's holiness more. And this isn't a, a scripture that's of judgment, of fear, saying, hey, we have to do this or God's going to strike us down. We know God's grace. But if we've accepted God's grace and have an understanding what he did for us, then surely... Surely there'd be a desire in us to seek after him in all that we do, to live a better life, to deal with the things in our life that actually aren't of him. Why don't we pray this morning? Lord, I thank you that we have your scripture to turn to, that you speak to us in so many ways. And Lord, as we've We've opened and and just discussed this scripture a little bit. Lord, I pray that you reveal things in our lives today that that we need to deal with. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that our salvation isn't earned, but it is a gift. But God, from that point on where we, we accept your grace and we accept salvation, knowing that we'll spend eternity with you in heaven. Lord, I pray that you will help us in the the struggles that it is to, to live a more holy and righteous life.
Lord, right now I just ask that your Holy Spirit will bring conviction to us all on things that we need to deal with. Maybe it's attitudes, maybe it's behaviours, maybe it's the way we conduct ourselves. We all have something. And Holy Spirit, we ask that as you bring that conviction, that you don't help us feel, uh, that you, we don't feel judged and without ability to come to you, but actually we, we identify those things and we're able to turn them over to you. Lord, I pray that as we, we do that, that you will help us journey through the, the challenge that it is. Lord, we commit these areas to you. Help us. Help us to be able to live more like you would want us to. To put aside those things that are not of you. And every day as we wake up and go about our life, that you would just fill our world with a sense of peace and comfort, not requiring those things that we've set aside. Holy Spirit, just move right now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for the ransom that you paid for us. Not deserving, not because we've done anything, but because you chose to love us and care about us so much. Be with us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.